everyone. Welcome to the Snapcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jerry. And I'm Sean. And uh, it has been a very long eight months since our last episode. And first off, I'm sorry. Uh, Jerry and I, we have been incredibly busy with life schedule and that. I've had underways. I've had moving the sub into a dry dock. So for you Navy people out there, you understand what I'm talking about. And uh, we finally got a good chance to where we can all get together and bringing in Sean. Uh, Sean, welcome. And uh, I feel like you're going to be joining us for a lot of episodes coming up soon. I, I will be. That is the goal here. Excellent. Excellent. So first off, as always, guys, how have you been? What have you been up to? Sean, let's start with you. Oh, man. Has it been a crazy year for me? I think it's been over a year since I was last on the podcast. Uh, I now have my second child. Little Parker is now nine months old, so I've had, had him for a bit now, but I uh, worked out all those kinks. He is now a fully functional human baby. That's awesome. Um, and in other news, I've finally switched careers. We're out of retail management, and we are now into data analytics. I took some courses and got some certifications. We are now in the field I really wanted to be in for a long time. Uh, couldn't be happier. I'm loving the work I do. I'm loving the hours, loving the pay freeing up a ton of time in my schedule to get on the podcast and play some magic really uh, that's awesome man uh it's good to hear and yeah we're absolutely just like thrilled to have you on just additional fresh voices fresh perspectives all that good stuff what about you jerry what have you been up to these past nine months okay past nine months <laughs> uh changed uh changed prison location that i work at Yes, work at, not where he's, like, you know, <laughs> right. serving time. <laughs> right. <laughs> work at, actively work at. Yeah. So, but uh, other than that, I finally broke, like, broke my streak of just having, like, bad events in general. Uh, I played at a, uh, I played at an Invitational for Northern Indiana, and uh, I won. I won the Invitational. Straight up won it. That's awesome, man. Congrats. 500 cash, 600 store credit seven booster packs felt pretty solid and then the following week not magic related i played in my first pokemon event that wasn't a regional just a local get together type thing okay 20 people showed up and i dunked <laughs> that's awesome so yeah. i'm on a i'm on a roll with card games right now <laughs> yeah you've been uh getting really deep into pokemon too pokemon online for those who haven't seen and for those who used to play pokemon is probably the smoothest online card game i have ever seen Yes, it is. Uh, Rob and I went and played it once. Rob watched me play one time, and it just it's smooth. Yeah, it's, it's like butter, no issues. It's everything Magic Online wishes it could be. Yep. <laughs> um, as for me, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, Navy's been keeping me super busy. Uh, also been assistant coaching soccer with uh, former Snapcaster Bobby Whitehouse. He's the head coach. Uh, both his son and my son are on the team, and no, we don't favorite the kids when Robbie starts picking flowers in the field. I try to pull them off the field then but um no it, it's been a blast and herding cats is the best way to put it when it comes to coaching five-year-olds uh outside of that magic wise i really haven't been able to do a whole lot um so uh the only place really for a good modern scene in fnm here is about 45 minutes south for those in the uh southeastern virginia area uh that would be comic kings that is the premier place to go to for modern jerry you remember comic kings from back in the day yeah, man. I've only been there a few times, but I remember the store verbatim. Yeah, and they're, the to go. they're still kicking. Uh, Doc Sims used to go there a lot. He has since uh, retired from the Navy. Uh, I got two episodes uh, that are going to be coming out here, too, on top of this one. We'll probably release episode 170, current one, 
as soon as possible. And then we'll have some throwbacks of episode 168 and episode 169. But that's enough of that. Uh, big things we want to talk about and the latest of Magic News and a reversal from a decision that Watsi made all about, I don't know, what, seven, eight years ago. Instead of shortening the standard rotation, we are now extending the standard rotation to every three years or to have three years worth of cards, Vice having two years worth of cards. Um, this is coming as, I think, a good thing for the standard community. Because the biggest uh, drawback to standard, a lot of players say, is the cards rotate too soon, um, prices fluctuate way too much, and as far as Magic also kind of being on the investment side of the house, people try to move cards before they plummet. Well, in standard, it's very difficult to do that. Now, I think we have an opportunity to use these high-power cards, and it's also going to help, I think, fix mana too, possibly in the long run. We've only had a couple instances of perfect mana in the world of standard. Isn't that correct, Jerry? Yeah. Uh, perfect mana in standard really only happens when a handful, like two specific things happen, or you have a really weird circumstance. First one's being pretty obvious, fetch lands. If you have fetch lands around and any type of dual land with a basic land type, it's going to make perfect mana. Uh, so if we put fetch lands into this format right now, we would definitely be able to play an actual Atraxa deck where you're trying to cast Atraxa because of all the triomes. Yeah. Uh, Furthermore, on that, uh, lay of, if you have a lay of the land with upside, that makes perfect mana. So in the case of uh, back in uh, Aether Revolt Standard, with the uh, the green sorcery, gain two energy, find a basic land, put it in your hand. A tune with Aether. Tune with Aether. That perfect mana. The only other way it happens is in a weird format where aggro can't exist, and you have all these come into play tap lands that can produce all the colors of mana. Yeah. Now... With the added benefits of that, though, and also having, I would say, more defined decks, if you will, um, Sean, well, what are some of the cons that we're going to see with this longer rotation period? So the biggest the biggest one I see is, unless they're going to be real heavy-handed with bands, is if there is a problematic card that really just takes over the format, it's going to be there longer now, uh, a full another year where it's just going to dominate and torment any and all standard players. Um, in addition to that, kind of piggybacking on it is it can lead to some stale formats if it's a control fest or a hyper aggro fest people there are going to be people who are just turned off from the format it'll become stale people won't want to play it and you'll have to deal with it even longer now with the two-year rotation yeah you're still gonna to have to deal with it with that occasionally but unless something's dropping in new with these three-year formats it's it's gonna feel a lot staler a lot longer gotcha jump jumping on the back side of that that's what killed standard the big thing that killed it uh cons was the last time you could really count on like a standard format being cool cool ish but we wound up having a format of nothing but rally the ancestors and collect the company at one point and a bunch of freaking siege rhinos and dig through times at another point we don't yeah. want that now that see for me though that was fun because um i was able to uh do pretty decently well and uh was that cons theros uh dragons for me did outstanding um had some great events with that at some uh states events and as well as just locals in general um but yeah running into the stale formats um i think one that really stands out to me was when we had uh flip jace um flip jace definitely got really stale and then also that's when we saw because it was coupled with fetch lands like the rise of the thousand dollar standard deck which is something that standard tries to stay away from is a oh. cost barrier to play oh look that's the cons format <laughs> yeah yeah, it was Cons, Cons Origins and uh, Zendikar. Yep. Yeah, so right after we lost Theros, uh, prices went up. Baby Jace was just way too good. Or Flip Jace. Yeah. 
But um, hopefully, though, like we said, this can draw more people into standard. Um, really, I'm hoping we just draw more players into uh, competitive magic. A uh, couple, actually now almost a month ago, SCG uh, Con Richmond occurred. And in their modern main event, their 20K, uh, they only had on MTG Melee 254 registered players in an open, which is like, yeah, if you think back to the classic open days, that's a failure. But that's not the only event, though. If you start looking at a lot more of these bigger events, you're seeing that. And I think it's because people are just getting tired of formats, uh, cost barrier to entry. Obviously, there's still the recovery from COVID. There's a lot more we could talk about, I would say, the uh, downfall of major competitive magic events. So hopefully this can help revitalize it. I know uh, Pro Tour Minneapolis just finished up. And uh, it's a good showing, good spread of modern decks. And I mean, sorry, standard decks, not modern. But uh, one deck we saw rise up a little bit, Sean, you were talking about Mono White. Yeah, so Mono White, typically when you look at standard decks and you see Mono X deck, it's going to be Mono Red, um, very aggro burn, essentially. Uh, you see Mono Blue, which is typically your your tempo control deck that has some aggro elements to it as well. Uh, or when you see Mono White, you usually think go wide, uh, go big, and beat up that way. But this variation of mono white that we've been seeing has been way more mid-range control, which makes me a lot more attracted to it, playing a lot more reactive uh, spells that also create a large amount of tempo, such as Wandering Emperor, um, Ossification even being a two-mana enchantment. Typically, it's not going to get removed, if ever get removed. Uh, it's a very cheap answer that can answer anything. Um, and then you have a ton of draw now in mono white from... I'm trying to remember everything. So we have Reckoner Bankbuster in every, pretty much every standard deck right now. You have Wedding Announcement, which has been incredible. And there's there's even the Utility Land now that will draw you two cards if you have an artifact and an enchantment. Mono White's never seen this kind of power, in my opinion, and I think the deck is incredibly strong. And the the representation has been has been about right, if a little low, if anything, but it it performed very well. The only complaint being from just about every player that I've seen, games are going to go to time. It's a slow mid-range control deck. It's not your typical mono-white aggro. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you didn't even touch the surface on all the card advantage the deck gets. Ambitious Farmhand, Loranda the Third Path, uh, Restoration of Iganjo. This is all, uh, even Sanctuary Warden at the top end of the deck. You get all this just card advantage for just playing this deck. Yeah, it's not never something you see out of mono decks, with the exception of usually um, the biggest defender that I remember is mono blue from the Ixalan area where you had uh, Curious Obsession on any one drop and then one to two mana counter right. for the rest it, of the game. Right, it's either a mono blue deck or a mono red deck that for some reason gets a random combo enchantment like Experimental Frenzy or Light Up the Stage Shenanigans. Exactly. Nice. Uh, that's always good, though, because, yeah, generally when I hear of a mono-white deck, uh, like you said, I'm thinking like a uh, white weenie, if you will, just to go go wide, a whole bunch of soldiers, and um, that was really the staple of mono-white, or you were um, having it as like a third piece to a mid-range deck, or it was there for a control deck as well, so you can utilize things like back in the day, Supreme Verdict, uh, Detention Sphere, getting Elspeth out, items like that, but seeing them. Um, Mono white mid range deck is uh, for me kind of refreshing to see that we are able to develop into this. And if that little 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 kid aggro thing, I like to call it that, the little kid aggro thing is still available to you, you want to do that? Blue white soldiers is a very good 
very good rendition of that archetype. Yep. Yeah, I see uh, Blue White Soldier Series number seven on the uh, MTG Goldfish uh, medalist right now. And uh, Mono Red Aggro, always going to be up there. Uh, we're currently sitting at fourth at just below 6% of the meta. Yeah, it's got all the burn spells you ever need. Uh, it, it, it just plays all the burn. It, it can do it. And uh, Monastery Swiftster put it over the top once again. No surprises there. Modern Power, Legacy Power, Pioneer Powered Card making its way in Standard. Yeah, well, speaking of Pioneer, we are in the Pioneer RCQ season, and um, this is where we're going to start talking about a little bit about metagame and what we are playing or what we would play if we would go to these events. Um, so let's go ahead. We'll just start with Pioneer since it is the RCQ season. Uh, what are some top performing decks we have right now? So right now, uh, the big, big baddie, according to everyone, is going to be Mono Green. It is incredibly incredibly powerful incredibly fast and very redundant um it, it is the deck to be if your deck doesn't have answers to mono green don't bring your deck to that format that's the easiest way to put it yeah and that's using like nick those shrine to nix to be able to generate a whole bunch of mana and just slam out a bunch of big creatures and then not only that you're you're playing big creatures your main plan isn't isn't to attack with these big creatures it's just to get more devotion to make more mana and then combo kill with uh kiora karn and then using Karn to get a Chain Veil. Eventually, you, you know, have infinite mana with those infinite Kiora and Karn activations. And then from there, you can win a hundred different ways. Uh, the main one being now to actually use the Stone Brain and just remove your opponent's entire deck from the game. Nice. Yep. The base of this format is it is a combo world. Uh, as I mentioned before a few years ago, is like you keep banning the combos, more combos are just going to show up because it doesn't have modern level interaction with the deck. Yeah. with any of these decks so right now if you're if i were to go into any of these events i would be either on a nykthos an abzan grease fang a hidden strings or even an is it indomitable creativity list something doing combo-y things because there's no way you can interact with all the combos in the format gotcha and i mean yeah all four of those decks that you just labeled right there uh they're all in the top seven for the metagame right now um but you do have uh, Rakdos Midrange here holding out the number one spot, uh, currently at about 20% of the uh, like format top performances, if you will. Uh, what do you think it is about Rakdos that's able to just dominate? Is it the hand disruption? Is it the uh, ability to answer creatures, planeswalkers? What is it that makes Rakdos so good? I think it's three things. Okay. I think it's popularity bias. I think this deck is too popular for its own good. Okay, yep. Uh, another one, uh, it's a... Uh... It's consistent. It's not. It's just like it's just like playing Jun back in Modern's yesteryears. It's consistent. You're never going to have an outrageously awful matchup, but you're not going to have an outrageously beneficial matchup. But you will consistently be playing Magic. And my other thought is, is uh, Shelter the Apocalypse is just an awesome Magic card. <laughs> like I'm, Siege, Siege Rhino on Power Creep. I'm going to. Um challenge that point just a little bit jerry i think there's exactly one reason that rakdos is as popular and as good as it is and the reason it's putting up results and that's okay. thoughtsies it is the best card in the format and i don't think it's very close oh oh yeah yeah definitely it's thoughtsies has played in abzan grease fang it's played in rogues it's played in a very if you're playing black you're playing thoughtsies that that's a given too that there is are there card. are not a lot of decks that can reasonably deal with at an at an uh, a mana or card efficient level can deal with turn one Thossies, turn two um blood tithe harvester into turn three liliana yes. it is very difficult to beat no matter what you are playing yep which is why i'm on the combo trip like you, a lot of people can just 
like a lot of the combo decks can actually just ignore that. Yeah, and I mean, even then, Rakdos still like like you said with Jund, it's it's nowhere near an unwinnable matchup because there are going to be those post board games where you can turn one, turn two, Thoughtseize plus Duress, any combination of those, and then a turn three go blank, and your opponent's now playing off the top of their deck, starting still in that early game. And uh, like consistency, one thing you brought up, Jerry. So I'm looking at the last two Pioneer challenges. Uh, in each one of them, in the top 32, uh, its representation was uh, 25%. So taking eight spots in the top 32 of each of these events. Uh, right. One top third place finish, the other one was a fourth place finish. Um, so yeah, definitely, like you said, uh, consistent. And that's the big thing. And yeah, being able to deal with that kind of hand disruption is... Uh, that's a huge challenge that you need to be able to get beyond in the combo decks, being able to quickly uh, get their pieces that they need. And especially when it comes to uh, mono green ramp, just the power that's behind it. Um, I've been on the receiving end of it multiple times when um, we went and did our team event in Baltimore last year, the deck was still outstanding and now it has even more cards to pull from. It's just outstanding. I would say. In terms of what I'd be playing right now, um, like Jerry said, this is a very combo-dominated world. It's also very play-draw dependent, unfortunately. Hopefully that'll smooth out over time, but right right now it is very play-draw dependent. Um, my The two choices I'd be playing right now is going to be Lotus Field, just because it's a very resilient, extremely resilient deck, uh, as well as just having good matchups against most of the field with the ability to have a solid game against the other parts of the field. And then I, I do like to challenge myself a lot and hurt myself a lot. So blue-white control is the other deck I have sleeved up right now uh, because I, I nice. do want to have the answers for everything. I think that deck is that deck is a mistake. You should not play that at a paper event. Don't do it. You will, you will wind up in the draw bracket so quick because you didn't call out your opponent enough for slow play. The, re the reason I think the deck is playable is because the answers that Blue White Control has now compared to a year or two years ago in Pioneer, the, the cards are generalized enough that they are useful in every matchup. There are never dead cards at this point anymore. March of Otherworldly Light hits anything you need it to, with the exception of Planeswalkers. There you have your Fateful Absence to take care of them. Yep. You have your Wandering Emperor and Teferi as your main Planeswalkers, which are super relevant in every single matchup. Uh, and then your counterspell suite can be a mix match of whatever you want. Right now, I'm on the playset of absorbs with one sensor and one make disappear. Some earlier interaction, and then a couple Dovin's veto just for like those really must have moments. And then card advantage of memory deluge, which is an absurdly strong card that is not seeing anywhere near enough play, in my opinion. Uh, I play my one of fun of search for his Kanta just because if it does get to flip and you end up in a nice long end game versus Rakdos, that that single flip land could be the make or break factor. Right. Yeah. Now I wouldn't, I'm not telling you don't play blue white control. It is a very good deck. Uh, it's, it's got all the answers. Like you said, I just wouldn't play it because of time restrictions and you got to be on top of your opponents like that. You can't, That's still you can't, issue. Yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't like, I'll, I'll be, I'll be quick. I'll be like, boom, boom, draw, play land, go. And they're going to sit there 30 seconds and tank on a land drop. I'm like, nah, come on, let's go. Let's snap some fingers. Right. Um, for me, um, I don't have really anything sleeved up for Pioneer. I think the closest thing I do have would be a uh, Lotus combo, um, because I would say at the inception of Pioneer, uh, definitely got into that deck and it was a lot of fun. And yeah, just like the, the, um, like the ability behind it to kind of 
get through its deterrences and pull off that win was one thing that I really liked. Uh, another that too, that is, uh, I would say near and dear to me, even though I haven't played it is some good old cruel mid range and being able to slam out like a sky sovereign, uh, console flagship and slap an ember cleave onto it. That, that sounds like something right up my alley. Uh, <laughs> especially after watching you, Jerry in Baltimore last year, just slamming amber, ember cleaves in your little pseudo twin deck, if you will. Um, it felt like, felt like Splinter Twin, Annex plus Embercleave. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, Reckless Storm Seeker 2 is an absolute house. It's uh, a wonderful 3-drop, and curving out at the top at 3-drops before you start getting into your Seeker's Chariots, your uh, Sky Sovereign uh, console flagship, and your Embercleaves. It's, this is the kind of deck I like. It's, it is a mid-rangey deck, but also its ability to, be, to move quick, to ramp up in the mana, running what do we got here a total of eight uh mana dorks on top of your mana base like it's going to be able to put up the results and the sideboards too uh even though you're locked in red green um there's enough out there for you to still protect yourself especially with the stone brain and unlicensed hearsts um being able to bring those in to protect you against anything that's trying to like reanimate uh because reanimation is still uh, a deck of concern that you have to think about when it comes to pioneer as well yes uh matter of fact uh, I love how Sean mentions that, you know, the best thing you can do is Thoughtseize to drop Liliana. I actually agree with you 100% on that. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. I just think that Rakdos is the wrong shell. I think Blood Tithe Harvester sucks. I think Bone Crusher Giant is medium. I would much rather be doing it by playing Abzan, Greasefang, or Rogues, where the two drops in Rogues accentuate a game plan that speeds up the games much quicker, and Flash Creatures are just generally better. And Abzan Greasefang, I am ready for Cosmic Rebirth from Aftermath to hit the format. I am ready for Blue-White Control going from a medium matchup to a free win. I am <laughs> I'm in this world. I am here for it. Nice. Uh, I, like, I like the two drops better in both decks. They play better into their deck's game plan. Yeah, I do like the blood token it provides uh, from Blood Tithe Harvester being a 3-2. But I'm also just better off... I would prefer just to get the immediate value of the drawn discard from a copy of Rafine's Informant or getting to freely draw a bonus card because you needed to draw an extra card on your turn off of my fairy mastermind. Yeah. All right, so that's where we would be when it comes to Pioneer. Uh, the, the Pro Tour obviously being standard and um, what, sealed in draft, I believe, for the other two, or was it just straight draft? I Honestly, I didn't watch it. I didn't so, watch it either, yeah, but it's, I, usually, it's usually just draft. Okay. So uh, on the standard side of the house, like for me, uh, I'm going to wait and see what standard has to, has to say uh, moving uh, forward with this extra rotation, getting more sets, see if there's something that actually uh, draws my attention to it. But uh, Sean, Jerry, you two got some decks that you'd play in standard. What would that be? So I am all aboard the red-black Breach, Breach the Multiverse deck. Um I was playing Grixis mid-range beforehand, and this is just the next level of it, being able to cheat in something like an Atali, which has been absolutely absurd every time I've seen it hit the battlefield. I don't think I've seen someone resolve an Atali or have an Atali hit the battlefield and then lose. Nice. Uh, the, the card is insane. It does so much, and then we're cheating it out various different ways, being uh, Breach the Multiverse. We have Cruelty of Gex. Um, those, those are your main two ways of seeing it, and both of those cards offer a ton of other utility on top of it. Say you don't see an Atali with Breach, you're going to hit something. Plus, you get whatever your opponent's playing at the same time. Cruelty, you get all three chapters if you want. You get to um, tutor before you reanimate something, or you could just straight up five mana reanimate, which if you're reanimating an Atali, I'll, I'll pay five mana for it. 
Awesome. Uh, Jared, what about you? What are you doing? Very similar deck. I'm doing a Rakdos Reanimator. It's been nicknamed Rakdos Midrange because all it, all it's doing is that it took the Grixis Midrange pile, it took out the blue cards, and it's playing Attracts the Grand Unifier with Cruelty of Gix. Oh, nice. Uh, it's a super solid midrange pile. You can still win games with Asushi and Shieldred and Blood Tithe Harvester, but you also just have the instant win of Cruelty, get your Atraxa, draw a bunch of cards. Okay. So both both you guys are pretty much on the same thing, trying to reanimate something, get it on the field, cheating it out. Yep. That's, yep. Sound, sounds like a great plan. This is this is the format you're living in in the standard. Right now, cheating things out is still a very good thing. All right. Uh, moving on to uh, my favorite format here, Modern. Um, Jerry, um, again, you, you took down the uh, your Invitational. Uh, what deck did you end up uh, slamming that win with? Yeah, I, I played Living End. Nice, nice. Staying on brand, man. Bringing in the creatures from the graveyard. Yeah, and it did really well. Like a lot of people would try to talk you out of it. It's like, oh no, there's too many things out there to answer the graveyard. But um, watching you on stream, uh, you were able to deal with that just fine. Don't care. Fun fun fact: I didn't cast my first living end until round three, game one. Really? Yeah, I didn't cast the first copy because first round y'all saw that. That was my one loss of the day. Uh, you know, go o one bracket and then win out. So yep. that's how you do it. Uh, was to burn. Didn't cast a single living end. Never got to three mana. Game two, uh, match two was a living end mirror, and I just flashed in a brazen borrower and nickled and dined him to death. And then game two in that game two round two, uh. He ended up, I could tell experience, he was inexperienced with his list because he was tossing street rates for free. And he had a Leyline of the Void out, and my hand was Endurance, Shardless Agent, Force of Negation, Street Wraith, Street Wraith, Brazen Borrower. So I end up, he goes to Living End, I'm like, okay, response, Brazen Borrower, bounce your thing, because his was a Sorcery Speed Living End. And then I threw Street Wraith, Street Wraith, Endurance. And then the Street Wraith, Street Wraith drew me a Subtlety and a Blue Card. So I knew that I was going to get at least nine power on the board off his living end, and I made it work for me. Nice. He did not see it coming. He thought he had game two in the books. I'm like, no, nah, you didn't. You didn't. That's smart. the way I play living end right there. Yep. Um. So yeah, you, great, great success with uh, living end. What other deck would you play? Uh, I'd play the other. I'd play the other Cascade deck in the format. Rhinos. Uh, that one has the hyper consistency all about it. Uh, Two four fours is enough to win a lot of times in modern. Uh, a bunch of free spells is enough time uh, enough to win a bunch of stuff in modern. And interacting with Ragavan very early is super easy in that deck, uh, especially in the four color versions where you have your copies of Leyline Binding as well. So if if I'm looking to be a little more fair, if I think people are just snuffing on random grave hate, uh, I knew they weren't in this room because no one had me pegged on Living End for a couple weeks. That felt good. <laughs> nice. So. Yeah, they had me pegged. Everyone had me pegged on rhinos. So, and you were wrong. <laughs> you were very wrong. Yep, just a different flavor of cascade. Uh, Sean, what about you? You were to go to a modern event, what would you sleeve up? I'm going with a couple different options. So, option one would. Sorry. Oh no, you're good. Option option one would definitely be to flip a coin and play any any variation of a cascade deck. You you can't go wrong with any of them right now. I think they're all incredibly strong. Um, my favorite being um, a Glimpse, just because I've, I've had a ton of success with it, and it's been the most fun for me, just flipping over my deck multiple times. Uh, but then I, tied very, very close behind it, I'd have um, Rhinos and Living End. I think you can, can't go wrong with either one. They're both incredibly powerful. Um, 
if I wasn't going to play a Cascade deck, I'd be playing uh, some variation of Murktide flex spots, depending on what everything else is looking like at the moment, what I'm feeling out, but probably something with heavier on the Blood Moons and the Fire Ice, heavier on the interaction. Um, just because I, I do tend to play a bit more controlly than tempo aggro ish. Gotcha. But that, that's probably where I'm at. Okay. Um, as for me, um, I'm in the same world as you, uh, Glimpse of Tomorrow or uh, one of the other Cascade decks. I'm definitely more practiced in the uh, Glimpse of Tomorrow deck. Um, one thing I like about it is not just that, you know, you can Cascade and flip your deck, but the uh, variation that uh, Sean, you and I are on, it also backs up as a great just Elementals tribal deck. Um, being able to abuse some of the best Elementals that are out there and also, you do have great protection, too, with your elemental package. Furies in the main, Endurance in the main, Subtleties in the side. There's a lot of protection you get with the Evoke spells. Uh, card draw engines with Wave Sifter is absolutely fantastic. And even if you do, if you are like staring down a Chalice on zero, there are so many ways you could beat it uh, with uh, Odawaras being able to cast uh, or like being able to suspend and then set up your plays. And I think I just learned... play elementals. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, my, but my favorite way to beat Chalice is to ignore it. You play a Cavern of Souls and then just keep going. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You can absolutely do that. But like for um, like a Chalice on zero, um, I think I saw you do it the first time, Sean, where you uh, had the Odawara in hand and you're able to respond and have the answers for potential combo or counters coming up and i was able to execute that same thing and man it felt so satisfying to be like okay and now i get to flip my deck and my opponent's like well crap he had all the answers to my answers i can't do anything about it uh the, the other deck is uh definitely more so of a meme deck um i saw this online and it got me really excited because both of y'all know i will gladly sleeve up some jank and um an old artifact, I believe it's from Fifth Dawn, Door to Nothingness. And um, good old standard reprint that made waves. I remember that in Return to Ravnica. <laughs> but being able to pretty much tell your opponent you lose the game is fantastic. And the way this deck is uh it's built around the amulet titan shell. So you're running your um, you know, your amulets, uh your amulets, your Mycosynth Gardens, and uh getting your uh bounce lands. And also having Timeless Lotus in there too, so you can um, get that into play quick. And with multiple um, amulets, you're able to uh, tap it multiple times to get like double or triple Wooberg, cash your Karn, fetch up your Door to Nothingness from the side, and just show it to your opponent and be like, hey man, you lose the game. And they're like, well, yeah, I got nothing for this. Nice. It's a nice, quick, easy finish. Um, I'm sure I'm going to get steamrolled whenever I finally get it all finished. I just need two more timeless Lotus, and I think another piece or two for the sideboard. I enjoy Jack. That looks so sweet. It looks so sweet. Right? Um, as far as for playing at like a major event, probably not. But I think the top top event I would take it to would be like a 5K because very few people would be ready for it. They'll be like, oh, okay, I'm going against Titan. It's like, no, you're not. You're going to lose this artifact that says you lose the game. <laughs> you're gonna get you're gonna get doored open the door yep all right and then uh last format here let's talk about it some good old legacy we, we got to get the boomers in here for this one um so when it comes to legacy obviously it is a uh few or it's a rarely seen format generally only seen in team events anymore uh, it's not the days of old where you would have a standard open on saturday and a legacy open on sunday anymore or a dedicated legacy event unless you're at internal weekend but Sean, what would you play in Legacy? So I haven't been following Legacy at all recently. I don't know what's good, what's not good. 
I can confidently say Delver's still good because when isn't Delver good? So if I'm going to in a big event, I'm going to play Delver. Um, but if, if I'm picking my my favorite deck in the format or that I last saw in the format was one of the Min- Minskin Boo piles, I think that card is, is absurdly cool. I love Minskin Boo. And then being able to play all the colors and all the interaction and have everything all the time, I'm, I'm shoving it all in one pile and calling it a day. Nice. Well, if it makes you feel better, uh, even after the the recent banning that killed the mono white deck and then took expressive iteration out, uh, Delver is still the best deck. No change there. Um, MTG top eight or not MTG top eight? MTG Goldfish is buffaloing you to make you think Reanimator is the best deck. They just have Hemer Delver separated from Blue Red Delver. The difference being a Tarmogoyf. Like you're not. It, I, that kind of looked at that, and I'm like, that's just dumb. Like, let's be real here. Delver's about 15% of the format. Next closest to it is Reanimator at 8%. Yep. Uh, that would be the deck I would play, though, is Reanimator. Uh, because I own the deck, so... Yeah. P- purely, that's the only reason I would. But on a playability standpoint, it is the one deck that can actually compete with Delver. Uh, its best opening hands are better than Delver's. And its plan B of scam them is awesome. Gotcha. Yeah, no, de- definitely being able to scam and cheat out some uh, early griefs, and that is always a win, regardless of the format you're in. If I could play a deck that I didn't own, and sadly I own this at one time, but it has gotten so many upgrades that I would love to play, it would be Cephalid Breakfast. It's the Splinter It's splinter Twin of the format. You play a combo control game up until you play Nomad Zencore and Cephalid Illusionist to deck yourself flipping Narcomoeba's Dread Return, Thassa's Oracle. Nice. Um, as for me, if I were to sleeve up a deck, um, it would probably have to be either Hogak, uh, because, well, I mean, what's not more fun than, you know, making a horde of zombies as quickly as possible or getting an 8-8 with Trample out as soon as possible. And if it's not Hogak, then, uh, I would have to say, uh, Sneak and Show. But again, I'm, I'm looking at a, probably a couple thousand dollars for an investment on that because I own none of the dual lands anymore. I ended up selling those off quite a few years ago. Until someone brings back these big legacy events, I don't think anyone's looking to buy into legacy right now. No, yeah, there's, I mean, when you're looking at decks are between, you know, two, three, four, uh, upwards of $10,000 if you're playing lands or something, there, there's no reason to buy into it unless you have a good crowd around you that is actually going to play legacy. Save your money, put it into other formats, or I don't know, go invest in some Dogecoin or something. Uh, I bought in super low. I have the reanimator deck I bought. I only spent... 1500 on 1500 on so that and it's pimped out i went out i went out shopping i made sure that i got a good deal on it yeah Uh, plus plus with all the team events that these are firing i think it's worth to at least have someone you know have a legacy deck that's the biggest thing and that's what we did um our buddy chris he was uh he invested in the elves a while ago um i think well what do you pick up his guys cradles for is like one to two hundred bucks a piece right jerry like over a decade ago, yeah. Yeah, like it was about 150 a piece. I remember. Yeah, so super cheap if you think about it now, because uh, playset going. If you look at MTG Goldfish, you're looking at about average 900 dollars a piece. So yeah, he's 3600 for a playset. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, having that person that will trust you with their deck, and um, you know, let you play with it. That's a huge thing there. Otherwise, uh, do your best to try to find a cheap deck and some decent substitutes. Uh, Mono Red Prison is always a decent one that you could get into. Um, yeah, it's not cheap, though. <laughs> no, it's not cheap, but, I mean, there's some, like, knockoff substitutes you could try to get in there. 
but yeah, yeah. Like, like the best part of the deck being the city of traders yeah, yeah. That's... and you would have to play uh crystal vein as a replacement yeah if you want to save a couple thousand um and i'll tell you from experience I, i've played the crystal veins and it is nowhere near as good as just being able to have city of traders out there but mm -hmm. i was able to play in the event actually uh jerry that was in vegas whenever i sleeved up that mono red way back when yeah. if you i want yeah, to say no, I... I lent you some of those mono red cards for yep. mono red prison, and I was playing. Uh, uh, I was playing uh, Deathray Shaman Delver. Yeah, because after um, the, after the city traders, you got ancient tombs going for about three twenty a set, and then you got Chrome Mox and Chalice of the Void both in the two hundreds per set. Uh, Chrome never, Mox closer to paid, three. I never paid any of that amount for those cards back when I got it. No, me either. Um, I was very happy to see I still have my uh, Chrome Moxes from uh, Mirrodin back in. When Star City did their no ban modern open, I got that for uh, Alex to use. Mm -hmm. The highlight of that event was when uh, I can't remember his name for the life of me, but I remember that he was the Bora Borgmos guy. So the guy who angle shot the Bora Borgmos ruling, yeah, I got him. I won a game, and if he just read the board state, he would have won. He didn't. He didn't check that I had an Urborg Tomb of Yawgmoth out to activate his own Deathray Shaman for lethal. Yes, I remember that because like we were all looking like, hey, he's got it, and your body language even showed it's like, oh, I'm gonna lose here. Man, I was real, but my face didn't show it. No, so my body did. I twitched. I'm like, yep. shit. Yep. No. Nope. Here, here it comes. And he he didn't see it, and that's that's an important thing of knowing not just you know your own board state, but knowing your opponent's board state. And it's like, oh wait, I do have a swamp I could use to activate this Deathrite Shaman and win the game. Uh, well, I think that's going to do it for us. Um, before we get, I want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, Deep Dive Games, down in uh, Kings Bay, Georgia. Um, if you want to get any of the latest and greatest Magic the Gathering materials, as well as board games, RPGs, and tabletop miniatures, definitely check out Deep Dive Games. Uh, they do have an online store. You can check them out as well. And uh, let them know that Snapcast sent you, and who knows, they might give you a, a little bit of a discount. Don't quote me on that. I'm sorry, Matt. Anyways, uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, Sean, thank you again for joining us. Look forward to having you again. Jerry? Of course, always. Always great having you on, and um, we will uh, see everybody next week. Y'all have a fantastic evening. Oh, snap.